podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. From the rookery end, podcast number six, the the youthful looking rookery end, but not from us. Not, the <laughs> not, not, not from us. No, we are. We're currently. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. As you might have uh, noticed, uh, we uh, we just started the podcast, and uh, Gavin Massey has just scored a goal for the Watford under 18s Lovely goal. Filled um, it in right foot, bottom right hand corner, and timed it for our introduction. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you very Gavin. much. Well done. We uh, we're sat here, uh, stood here at uh, Watford's training ground, uh, watching under 18s playing Reading. This is our first of two Reading Watford games that we're going to be watching today. Who might people know, Mike? There's Gavin, Gavin Massey, who has just slotted. Um, you'll have heard of him. And uh, Sean Murray, you might have heard a lot about. He, uh, a lot of uh, interest in him from uh, other clubs, premiership clubs. And he's, he's playing. He's having a solid game so far. And we've also got Jonathan Bond in goal, who uh, has been in the Welsh squad recently. Absolutely. These are the more, un- more notably for Jonathan, though, he was in goal against my brother for the penalty at <laughs> half-time. <laughs> Which he didn't have to say. It's always a good thing when a keeper's got presence, and clearly that day he had presence. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fantastic news. We're having a great time. Um, we're actually going to chat to someone else you guys might have seen. We saw you play in the uh, League Cup this year, Adam Thompson. We'll be chatting to him a little bit later on. But the, uh, the whole point of this podcast is we're going to look at the, the youth system here at Watford. You'll be able to hear our interview with uh, Neil Cox, uh, sorry, Nick Cox, who is the uh, assistant director of the academy at Harefield. Um, we'll be chatting to one of the other recent graduates, Dale Bennett. And also we'll be chatting about the, the best of the best homegrown talent that Watford have had over the years. So a bumper podcast to come. And if you do want to hear from Neil Cox, let us know. <laughs> Let's see if we can get him. From the Rookery End, a podcast for Watford fans by Watford fans. Uh, so it's, it's still Saturday, but it's much later on Saturday. We've uh, finished at the under-18s game. In yep. fact, we've been to a senior Watford game since, and we're back in the normal Railway Arms pub across the road from Bushy Train Station, and still with me is Mike. Hello there. And uh, Jason. Hello. And, uh, well, we've just seen Watford uh, draw 1-1 with Reading. Yes. Uh, a, a point. A point? Are you, are you happy with a point, Mike? A point? Well, what was the point, really, in all, <laughs> in all honesty? No, I think that's a little bit harsh, but it was very, uh, very average fare. I think my, uh, one of the guys I go with, a guy called Kev, he dropped his dad off earlier today, who asked him who Watford were playing, and he explained it was Reading, but he said, actually, it could really be any number of teams, because they're all of a certain, they're all of a similar standard. Yeah. Um, and I think it was one of those games today where sometimes that's the beauty of the championship in as much as the, the teams are matched but sometimes it can also be the, the, the worst of the championship in as much as it doesn't serve up much in the way of, of entertainment or goal mouth instant no, I really didn't know what to expect today I, I think like us Reading have had a really strange season some really good results some really poor results um, which is why when you boys asked me at the start I said draw because <laughs> I yeah. really really didn't know what to get into and I proved to be correct um, and you're right, it wasn't a, a great game. It was, it was an average championship game, an average championship game where, you know, like I say, uh, uh, you, you win a game in the championship if you turn up and you do what you do well and you, you execute it perfectly. Otherwise, yeah. anything can happen. And neither team really turned up brilliantly. And across the whole 90 minutes, Watford dominated for, for large portions. Yes. And Reading did a bit as well. Kind of over the 90 minutes, it was a fair result. Yeah. I think so. I think it's our job as Watford fans to sort of hold our hands up when things haven't gone gone as well and I don't think I think today I think that some of the stuff some of the little flicks and moves and passes it just wasn't as crisp and um, we lost our, our snap crackle and pop a bit I thought today and it, <laughs> yeah, it, just, did. it just didn't go right um, any, any, Jason can you put your, put your thumb on, on, on why I'm not really sure I, mean, I think I, I mean I, I thought Deeney had a good game um, yes. playing out on the right for the majority of the game worked hard and I um, and you think if, if we're missing something in that sort of attacking side of the game, that sort of quick tempo passing, you would have looked to there first because that was the the, the, the thing that was different in the team. But no, no, he did well, so I'm not really sure right, we, we, where we, it was we going were, on. We were lacking uh, the the whitest teeth in all of uh, human history, John Eustace, Mike. Indeed, he was, was a big miss, I think. Yeah. I think we missed, him, you know, we missed him to sort of put his foot in the ball and control the game for everyone else to do what they need to do. There wasn't sort of a, yeah. a man in the middle to, to Well, we give him doing that it. role, and I thought he started well. He was showing some nice sort of... He was showing good composure on the ball yeah. um, early on, but I think then he lost it a little bit, I think, towards the... Uh, 
sort of in the second half. We almost expect sort of we were expecting Jordan much to be the more sort of physical presence in midfield in the absence of Eustace. And I think that's while he is, he is a big unit, much I think it's a bit much to. You <laughs> <laughs> can't get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, we, we, you can't expect it of a, of a player who is in effect only 18 and has had X amount of first team games. So I think we're lacking in, in, in that midfield area. But you could have seen Don Carry back. Yes, yeah. and we've seen him play since his injury, and it's it's good actually that he's back to he's back to a higher standard quite quickly. Not to his full standard, but he's definitely back and hey, doing look, what yeah, he did. Pleased to see him back, and I think he yeah he had a decent game today. One man back, but one man conspicuous by his absence over the past month. Will mm. Buckley. Yes. He started off really well for me this season. I picked him as my top scorer. It doesn't look like that's going to happen now. <laughs> no. Thank you very much, Will and Melky, because they're not picking him. But I mean, I'm I'm probably like a lot of Watford fans, slightly perplexed at his his sudden disappearance from the team after what was a really promising start. So I don't know what you boys said. Well, you said you said that at the the first at, at your place event that Watford put on, yep. you were there, and Melky said that. You know, he, he wasn't playing a full game in 90 minutes because he wasn't physically able to yeah. finish a full game in 90 minutes. Yeah, knackered was the quote after 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 80 minutes. Um, I think in the 80 minutes Gypsy was putting in, though, he was having a real impact in, um, in the Watford side. And uh, apparently he didn't perform at his peak against Portsmouth. I wasn't at the game. He came on the game at Palace and apparently didn't have a very good game at all. Um, but we saw him a couple of months ago at home to Leeds where we weren't playing very well. He came off the bench and all of a sudden we had a bit of a spark about us and he did, did change the game there. So if he can't last 90 minutes, he would be a good player, I think, to, to bring off the bench and maybe turn things around for us. I think the big reason why the big, you know, there wasn't any substitutions today for Watford, I don't know when the last time uh, any statos out there want to look it up, the last time we didn't make a substitution, Maybe it's because we were playing almost, almost not quite exactly, a, a 4-3-3. And if you put on a wing, either Brian or you put on Buckley, then you uh, change that system quite dramatically. And it's not just five, t- five minutes and one player to settle down. It's 10, 15 minutes, the whole team to settle down to the new way of doing it. So maybe that's why yeah, something wasn't made today. Sure if, it, if it was changed back to a 4 I mean, I thought it looks more of a 4-4-2 four, four, two anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if we had made a change, I think I'd have sold that off. Uh, in the middle and Buckley on the right but it's the man from the rookery end the club's annual report came out a couple of weeks Woo-wee. ago it's, uh, it's a big document it's got a lot of words and it's got a lot of numbers in it and um, I didn't actually sit and read it all I read the first couple of pages and then I read the newspaper report on it because to be fair it is one of those things that men in suits like to read and can actually understand what, what, what they mean but um, uh, Mike you, you ran your, your eyes through it a little bit yeah well, I ran my expert eye over it and I think that the thing that immediately uh, stuck out to me was the was the three pillars that were mentioned I'll try and remember off the top of my head there was one about developing players continuing to bring them through and making that a part of the Watford way of working the second one was about making Watford sustainable and profitable profitable seems a long way off but, uh, <laughs> but we get the picture and the third one was about being um, continuing to play a big part in the community and they were they were three things that really stuck out for me they were uh, they're really good to hear because it strikes me that that's getting back to the Watford way of old that we all grew up watching Watford um, and that if you're focused on those three things as a football club I really don't think you can go far wrong I think we're, we're at the under-18s today. We've seen some of the, the, the setup, and we've spoken to people about the academy. It sounds like we're well on the way in terms of developing players. We've seen the, we've seen the proof of that with a lot fruits of the players. On the, the, labor. the fruits of the labour of all the, of all the people that uh, work so hard here. Finances, I'm not going to... Ongoing. Ongoing. <laughs> I'm not going to... A man with my bank balance oughtn't really comment on, on finances. <laughs> and community side of things... We've, we've seen it for ourselves as well. We've um, been to fans' forums, open days, the At Your Place events, and they're doing a sterling job there. So as far as I'm concerned, those three things, I'm glad we're focusing on them and glad that we're making a decent fist of them. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I'm a man of numbers. I like numbers, but unfortunately there are a bit too many for my liking in that report. Well, I, I, I was the same. and I looked at, the, looked at it a little bit and then ignored it, but then I read the newspaper report and got a few of them. But I think the only way to truly understand the ups and the downs of a national financial report from year to year is to get a DJ to read them out in a top-of-the-pop style. Hey there, pop pickers. Hey there. There are plenty of fallers in this year's countdown of the Watford annual report. Here is the countdown. 
players' wages dropped £2.74 million to £7.76 million. Total liabilities, they're up to £18.53 million from £13.7 million. Ouch! Uh, retail and catering costs dropped to £553,000. Amortisation and impairment costs, I know you're waiting for that one, they fall from £4.29 million to £1.37 million. After £11.31 million less money from the Premier League, media revenue falls £10.41 million. £4.11 million, that's the total profits on the disposal of players and the one you're waiting for. Here we go, the revenue is down to £11.26 million from last year's £23.08 million. From the rookery end. So you've probably heard a lot about our academy in recent weeks. We've been uh, had quite a lot of high-profile press coverage of it. So as we're here today, we decided we'd have a chat with the assistant academy director, Nick Cox, about the ins and outs of the academy. From the rookery end. The, the academy gets seen and, and heard about quite a lot, it being kind of a, one of the best in the country or one of the most forward-thinking. What makes it different than all the other setups in the country? As you say, well, there's 90 youth development teams across the country. What makes us different is the programme that we run between the age of 12 and 16. Obviously, we've got and I've always had good connections with the Harefield Academy with regards to the fact that we use the facility there and we invested heavily in the facility maybe five or six years ago. But for the last three and a half years, we've actually enrolled between 35 and 40 boys each year at that school. And obviously, there's a load of benefits that come with, with having those players based within one school and having their education, their football all under one roof. What, what's the difference what's for, for a player who's a, who doesn't have that sort of setup? For their development, how's it right? Different? It's probably easier to explain how we used to be, and okay. then you'll be able to see some of the benefits. Yeah. Um, so a few years back, and this is what happens at every club up and down the country. Boys would train three evenings a week. Okay, so they're getting five hours worth of practice. If you're going to become elite at something, five hours worth of practice a week is is not great. But all of the the barriers that that creates as well. So boys coming straight from school, stuck on the M25, arriving for training late, eating in the car, getting changed in the car training until half nine at night, spending an hour getting home again, doing homework late at night, being exhausted, not sleeping enough. All of those factors we were finding generally meant that they weren't succeeding on the pitch and we were pretty much setting them up for a fail when it came to their education. And it's funny you season. say that. That's yeah. the exact reason I think I'm stood here doing an interview and not out there playing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Only around when I was... God, how unfortunate. So how many hours do they get the football? Do they get a week then? So they'll train... 15 plus, depending on the week, but they'll usually get around 15 hours a week compared to five or six hours a week. And that's every kid in the country training under the our old system will be getting five or six hours. It's a tough business, and the statistics tell us that the majority of kids that we work with aren't going to be footballers. So to pull them away from school and for them not to be educated is a, is a bit of a crime. So we're it's the moral, moral obligation. Really. Can you stick a percentage on that, Nick? How many do you think would come through and how many I can tell you how many don't make it there's a, a national statistic that of boys at the age of 16 involved with pro football clubs 85% are no longer involved in pro football at the age of 21 that's a national statistic now our stats are better than most people's but we've still got to be mindful of the fact that the majority of our boys won't be footballers we've got to be mindful of the fact that we're not just developing football skills we're trying to create well-rounded kids yeah. so you're trying to give them some um, I don't know, you're trying to teach them about professionalism and, yeah. and dedication and commitment yeah. and, and respect and the attitude that comes with it as well. Because we want to hand them back to the parents, whether they're successful or not, having had a, a decent experience. Now, that one's not always an easy message to get across to the parents. Like, you know, they naturally assume their kid's going to go and play for England. Good to say, yeah, they the must best. be quite excited, both the parents and the kids. So how do you keep all their feet on the ground? Um, it's really, really difficult. I mean, we... We're constantly reminding the kids and the, and the parents of how difficult it is to become a pro footballer. I mean, Grant Taylor did a presentation to some families and kids of the academy this week, and he made a cracking point that across the country, there's generally eight or nine regulars in every single first team. So 90 odd clubs, round it up, round it down, there's 750 regular footballers in the country. Yet there's hundreds of thousands of kids playing. So it's about reminding kids and parents of that, those sort of statistics that if you're going to be the best, you have to have a real good go at it by being dedicated and leaving nothing to chance and applying yourself properly, but 
prepare yourself that you might not be a footballer. So we're forever saying things to the kids like one opportunity, no guarantee. We've got um, kind of a catchphrase where we tell the kids that there's more than one way to get to the World Cup final. If you're not going to be the centre forward, can you be the doctor? Can you be the coach? Can you be the journalist? Can you be the groundsman? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's it's up to parents and kids whether they want to take those messages on board or not. And <laughs> quite often they don't. Was that, was that one, one, one chance, no guarantee? One opportunity, no guarantee. And they get a real good opportunity, probably a better opportunity at this club than, mm. than most others. But there's no promises, and we've never, ever promised kids that they're going to be pro football. Those, the guys that have graduated and gone on to the, the first team, do they, do they come back and, and talk to these guys? Or Yeah, this week, good question, uh, good timing. This week, Marvin Sordell and Eddie O'Shoddy came down to speak to the boys on Tuesday night. John Eustace and Martin Taylor came down on Wednesday night and Aidan Mariapa and Danny Graham came down on Thursday and basically shared their stories of, of I suppose, their progress through, through youth ranks. And it was nice to have a mix of the lads like Marvin that could talk about being released by other clubs before they came to Watford. Yeah. Eddie could talk about the journey from being here from the age of nine. John Eustace could give us a, um, a kind of a, his story at a, a different club right the way through a system. So, yeah, that's, that's important to us that our boys... Have got direct contact with the first team because it's a massive part of their learning. Another one from uh, from Salisbury Kev. He's done well. He's got a few in this week. Um, and I'll quote: Do you get many bigger clubs sniffing around the players? Yeah. And what can you do to deal with it? I Absolutely. Um, the clubs will. We've got some of the biggest clubs in Europe in our catchment area, and that's what we're up against every week: is trying to persuade players to come and sign for us rather than them. And once we've got them, to try and persuade kids to stay with us if a big bid or an offer comes in from another club yet clubs do try and nick players off us some do it the right way yeah. <laughs> some go through the back door <laughs> yeah. um, I think all we can do is keep reminding the boys of the opportunity that they've got here last season 40% of all first team starts came from academy players um, okay, whereas premiership clubs you're looking at 1% for some of those clubs. Is that right? Yeah. 1%. We've had eight academy players play in our team this year. In the Premiership, they've only had 26 academy players playing first teams. In the entire league? Right the way across the whole division. Yeah. That was up to about a month ago. That might have changed, but up to about a month ago, that was the stat. That's a really damning statistic, um, isn't it? So, really what we're saying to the boys here is there's an opportunity. You're not too far away from our first team. The youth team boys are playing here. Daishi and Alec Chamberlain are here watching them because these lads are maybe only 18 months away from playing in our first team if they're good enough it's not a case of you'll, you'll get a game regardless yeah. they've got to be good enough and then there's kind of the Ashley Young story isn't there if you're good enough and you are a premiership footballer you will come you'll play in our first team you'll be successful and valuable to the club but then it's in everyone's best interest isn't it to, to move on because it's good for the club and it's yeah. good for the player to go and play in the premiership rather than the alternative story is to go and sign for a big premiership club be given squad number 85 <laughs> know that there's a couple of foreigners going to come in ahead of you and then go out on loan when you're 19 and it's a long drawn out progress process I mean if you're here at Watford it's quite a quick rapid pathway isn't it through to the first team and then if you're any sure. good onwards and upwards from there email the boys podcast at from the rookery thanks for nick cox's interview there still to come we'll be chatting to adam thompson who of course some of you might have seen play for watford against knox county he's very young but he's just signed his professional contracts this week so he's he's one for the future and we'll also be finding out what happened to the old celebratory scoreboard men who left Watford in 1993 when the old scoreboard was taken down. But uh, let's get back to the pub post-Reading game for another chat about football. It's ironic that we didn't make a, a change today. We didn't make a substitution where over the last, it feels like certainly over the last month, the team has changed a lot week in, week out. We've seen people like Brian, Michael Bryan make a couple of starts. Uh, Matty Wichelow's come in um, for various sort of cameo appearances and none of those guys featured today. And we mentioned Buckley, he didn't feature again today. Um, so the team, it feels like it's, been, it's really been changing over the, last, over the last month or so. And I don't know whether that's any, any surprise that it's coincided with our, 
has been a really bad run of form, let's be honest. I think we're, we're bottom of the form table. Mm. Um, I think we've lost five in seven yeah. and two draws. And, you know, we've got to face facts. That, that, that's pretty ugly, ugly reading. But you, you've got an idea about, about some possible reasons why this, we might have had this dip in form since the fantastic start this season that we had. There's a couple of reasons. Uh, my daughter, uh, Florence, hello, Florence, if you're listening, <laughs> um, she managed to get something stuck in her ear virtually um, at the start of our losing run. I think it was probably away at Portsmouth. We located something small and shiny in her ear and we hadn't been able to get it out until Thursday. So uh, before the... Reading game. Before the Reading game. So I just it just started... It can't be coincidence that our poor form has coincided with this foreign object being stuck in my daughter's ear. We got that out on Thursday. Didn't lose today. Mm. So perhaps we've banished that particular demon. Who knows? Well, I've been wearing a... My, I got, I got a, the, the current... AC Man away shirt that we have and maybe since I've been wearing this one it's, it's we've dipped in form as well I'm not I'm not sure there's there's something, something different there's another one I've, I've, I sit next to a woman at work she and she sort of has to put up with me talking about Watford week in week out she's not a she's not a big football fan but she decided she wanted to support a football team and she's, she's, she's gone with Watford so I printed off a fixture list she's got a bit of Watford paraphernalia on her desk <laughs> but again she started supporting Watford just before the Scunthorpe game while she's been sporting Watford, we haven't won. Yes. I'm more inclined to think it's, it's her, her fault. <laughs> okay, we're not that, blaming that the sounds like, yeah, So we're not going like to blame it. the two-year-old little girl. We're going to blame the adult woman. If you've got any ideas on what you think you on why you, why you think we've our former suffered, let us know. Podcast at fromtherecord.com. Or uh, if you know if you think if any of the reasons we've given you, which one do you think it is? Let us know. Well, the other the other curse that we've got going on still hasn't lifted since last time we spoke about it. Unbelievable! No goals Unbelievable. at the rookery end since August the what? Twenty. When was it? Look it up. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll look it up. I'll get back to you. And there was a point though in the game today though where we'd scored in the first half for Deeney down at the Vicarage Road end. At half time, a bunch of the uh, the academy boys came up and were taking penalties against each other as a demonstration for it all and it took them four or five goals uh, penalties but they even scored one I'm thinking it's the curse it's the curse August the 14th August the that's 14th that's only three months ago that, three and that's, months. Uh, not only is it three months since we scored at the rookery end but that is the only goal we've scored at the rookery end this season it's the overhead bicycle kick curse of the rookery end something's going on there I'm not being funny but what is well, who's done what own up if it was you <laughs> let us know we need to know we won't be cross we just need to get this sorted once and for all my eyesight's failing I can't see all these goals at the other end keep up with the podcast blog on fromtherookeryend.com so as you know by now we like to have a chat with one of the Watford team on each of our podcasts and this month we're lucky enough to catch up with Dale Bennett he was of course and we'll talk about the youth system here at Watford um, he's a man who's who's come through and probably played in such an under 18s game here that we're we're watching at the training ground on Saturday morning and uh, we caught up with him he was a lovely fellow wasn't he he was a lovely chap yeah fantastic and uh, this is what uh, what he had to say when we, we chatted to him about his first few games as a senior player. You're starting all those kind of firsts, your first appearance, your first tackle. Do you, you, you remember all those things? Yeah, I remember most of them because I, obviously going in at the time I played like my first, made my first start. Mm. It was I was under a bit of pressure for not being involved for the whole season. I had to go straight in. So obviously I remember it because you always remember your first game yeah. when you first put on the shirt and when you first go out in front of the home fans. So. Do you remember the first man you tackled on the pitch, the senior and I remember the first header I won uh, Who's that? Andy Gray because I headed the back of his head and almost split my nose off. <laughs> That's why I always remember it. Dale, when you first caught up into the full, full first team squad, did you know where to sit in the changing room? Did you have your own place? Or? Yeah, well, I had my, uh, my, I know where my boots were, otherwise they had no clues. So my boots were like under before the shirts come out. My boots were in my place, so I knew where to sit. So, But like, I've been, for me, I've been around for, I've been here for six, seven years, so, but I made my debut two seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, I came on in the cup. Yeah, but to be like to see my boots and then my shirt come out, knowing that I'd actually get to wear it this time was was quite good. Yeah. Is there anyone in the change room you wouldn't want to sit next to? No, nah, to be fair, everyone here I, I do like a lot. They've all helped me come through because yeah, yeah. I've been here for quite a long time, so everyone's all right. So there's no practical jokes or anything like that. No one's going to put itching powder in your pants or <laughs> <laughs> not so much match days. Maybe around training. Who's most likely to do that? 
Oh, they're not here no more. Uh-huh. Say names. <laughs> John Harley. Nah. <laughs> Louis Strong. Was it? Yeah. Little yeah. Youngie. Little Tinker, was it? Yeah. <laughs> but who's your first footballing hero? I'd say Sol Campbell. Always has been because even though I'm an Arsenal fan, I live in Tottenham. I've been brought up in Tottenham and I've always, because it's around the corner, I used to go and watch and he's just one person I've always looked up to. Hope to play against him one day? If he's still around, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Do you have any kind of other current footballers that you kind of look up to? Yeah, Lucio. Yeah. He's one I definitely look up to. Like Maldini, just for playing so long. Even someone like Lloyd, who's been here for, who's come through the academy and been here for so long and is now a fan's favourite. Mm. And this puts in performance, performance after every every week. So someone I look up to, that I train with every day. So. Darren, as a defender, what's what's worse? It's like a massive, big, hulking striker or a tricky little... I'd say for me, a big, because I'm not the tallest, I'd say a big, massive striker. So I know I have to try out jumping, I'll be battling with him for the whole game because I'm quite small. So, so what's it about, it's about the time? Timing yeah, it's about sort of timing stuff. and just getting in front. And just Given, being smart about it, really. Giving a little yeah, nick a little in the back nudge, of the yeah, know you're kick, there. Yeah, everything like that. Cool. If, we got, if we got your iPod and we put it on shuffle, yeah. what song do you, have you got on there that might worry it if it got played out at a party? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think any would, to be fair, because I have I don't have that kind of music on my iPod because I normally take it to the match days, so I, I'm, I like my choose my song very carefully <laughs> yeah. do you have a particular song you listen to before games or did that change nah, just, I like to listen to like funky house kind of thing get me going for the game where were you when Lloyd scored I was on the bench yeah yeah, running around <laughs> I was so proud for him it was a good moment yeah. did you realise it was him straight away yeah again? we watched it because we was all sitting we figured, uh, one of the coaches said oi look at Lloyd everyone got up got excited got out their seats and then when they saw it flying everyone just jumped around <laughs> it was amazing it was amazing now, if you had to buy a season ticket for yep. any club in the world, not Watford, who would it be? Arsenal. I had one before I joined there. I had a season ticket there, so yep. I'd probably just go back there. Do you hear the crowd to the game? Only after you, you do something well. So say like you make a tackle, you, you hear a clap, it, like confidence, it gets you going mm. again, kind of. Thing. So if you had what, if you had a theme tune, if every player had a theme tune to come out to, like yep. wrestlers, what would you have? Eighteen. You'd have the eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> From the rookery end. Dale Bennett there. Great couple of first games for us um, at the end of last season. Definitely one to look out for. I haven't seen as much of him this year, but hopefully he's one for the future. So, where haven't we been for a while? Let's, let's go back to the pub and have a chat about the last month of Watford football. So in the last month, we've struggled a bit. A Two bit. points. A bit. Yeah. Oh, it's fair to say. Um, so, are we happy because we're scoring lots of goals? Or are we worried because we're conceding so many? It's a really tough one, isn't it? I mean, I think I've been really... If you if you didn't know the pattern of the game, hearing that we'd lost 3-2 at Palace and 3-2 at Burnley, I don't think you'd necessarily be massively upset because we've scored a couple of goals, we've obviously put up a decent fight and I think from my football supporting career... I have never expected the way wins. I don't know why that is. That's another another argument altogether. Whether there's such thing as home advantage, but I never really expected a way win. So to hear of a three-two away loss, you think, you know, we put up a decent fight, we scored a couple of goals there. Yeah. But knowing the pattern of the scoring, knowing we've gone in front, yeah, we've got, we got behind, then gone in front, yeah. and then gone behind again. It, it's that's a little bit harder to swallow, and it's a real sort of bit of a juxtaposition. I don't know whether to be pleased, like Jason says, I don't know whether to be pleased that we're scoring or more concerned about, about letting him in. I think, I guess, we have to be worried about, about the, about the defence. Are you? Because for me, I'm, I'm more pleased that we're scoring. Yeah, I'm probably more positive than you, yourself there, uh, Michael. But it's, you know, things can be fixed. But what are you saying? We can fix matches. <laughs> it's Watford Football Club, not the Pakistani yeah. cricket team. You know, the, the, a defence and, and bad play can be fixed. And not all those goals, it wasn't like we let, we let in three bad goals in both those games. No. Several of those were very well-taken goals. The Derby goals in that away game at Derby where we lost 4-1. 4-1. They were some fantastically taken goals. But you've mentioned three games there and ten goals. So if we let in ten, if we let in ten goals in three games, there's bound to be some good goals amongst them. Uh, for me, but, uh, for me, in, in, in a three-goal game where we lost with three goals, two were great, and it was only one mistake. Yeah, I think I'm playing the devil's advocate a bit. I think they were. We have they have been some. We've been on the wrong end of some good strikes, but you've got to be you've got to be letting people get a shot in if they're. 
you know, if they're taking shots and scoring, we've given them a chance somewhere along the line. And for that to happen so frequently, for me, is, is starting to ring alarm bells. We've, we've still had a really good start to the season. I think we're at a crossroads now where we're at a point where that good work could start quickly going up in smoke. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with Mike on this one. Whilst, yes, it is, it is good that we're scoring goals um, and we don't need to change anything up front it's uh, at the back is right and the fact that we are letting in so many so-called wonder goals it just there just seem to be too many for it to be uh, to be yeah to be unlucky have we um, used up a bit I, of our luck I mean earlier in the season we uh, just some of that I know in the first day of the season Danny Graham scored off deflection one of his goals against Bristol City was deflected against Millwall by all accounts everything we hit went in Although we were riding on the crest of a wave it there. All, it, as they always say, it all balanced itself up over the course over of a season. season. But so, in which case, we're due about 13 penalties in our next game. <laughs> <laughs> We've been due 13 penalties for many, many years. Well, let's be honest, we, we, I think we still do get a bit of luck, and we've got a bit of luck today. Um, Reading really should have scored. Uh, open goal almost. Yeah. Uh, matey okay. boys stuck it over the bar from the rookery end. Get involved. Go to facebook.com forward slash rookery end. Well, next, let's, look, let's look ahead then okay. to the next month. We've got Barnsley away, Leicester at home, QPR away and Preston at home when we'll do the next podcast. Yeah. Well, that's, that's from one, one extreme to the other there. QPR away to Preston at home, who ironically were playing each other today. I believe QPR won. They did, yes. yes. Sure. Yeah. Um, QPR will be tough. We know QPR will be tough. Yeah. Leicester is still strong. We've got Spen coming to Vicarage Road next month. That'd be his first that ever visit, be? wouldn't it? Before he ever came and looked at many players when he was England manager, did he ever come and do a bit of scouting? I'm not sure. I think, I mean, I think out of those, so we've got Barnsley, Leicester, QPR, Preston. I think it's an old, old saying, but we've just got to start winning our away, our home games. It's, a, it's yeah. as simple as that. Well, you could look at those four games and say. Barnsley is if we play well away from home like we know we can do that's a winnable game Leicester and Preston at home certainly Preston at home if we don't win that one that would be very disappointing Leicester they were on a bit of a crest of a wave with Sven but I think they lost again today so uh, they're beatable QPR one that worries me well, I think we're going into they're the sort of games we don't have to worry about, Jason, to be honest. They're top of the league. And that's when our young players play their best, yeah. when, the, when the pressure seems to be off. We've got nothing to lose. And, and let's not forget, we've had it's been a shocking month. It's, it's, been, it's been tough watching for, yeah. for us Watford fans. But two wins, and you know we're, we're, we're knocking on the door of the playoffs again. And, but more importantly, and let's, let's think back to the start of the season when we were sat here pre-season talking about our aims for the season. It was safety. Yeah. That's what we're after, and that's what we're still after. Um, we've been we've been spoilt a bit with the start of the season, perhaps back down to earth with a big bump. But we need to keep an eye on, on safety, and let's not let's not um, shy away from the fact we're going through a sticky patch. But let's not also take away from the wonderful start we've had. And, the, and a lot of our players have performed extraordinarily well. There's no reason why they can't pick that up again with a couple of decent decent wins. So next month. Four games. How many points? None, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Lee six. Lee six. Oh, I'm with you, six, I think. I'll go... Yeah, go on. Four. Four, OK. Like the pessimist goes. Four, four. points. But do you know what? That'll, that'll probably come with a home draw with uh, Leicester and an away win at QPR. Yeah, probably will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Email the boys. Podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. If only we had a massive scoreboard to show that Watford are now 2 0 up in this game. Who scored that one? I missed that. Uh, it was a Watford player, <laughs> we think, and he's under 18. If only we had a massive scoreboard, like the old one that we used to have back in the 80s. Oh, what an absolute perler it was. Uh, came up, of course, when we were chatting with uh, Lionel Burney last month about his uh, latest book, Enjoy the Game. Is it on your Christmas present list? Uh, Absolutely. Oh, twice. Yes, it's on mine. It's on mine. And it, I got to wondering, I wonder where those scoreboard men are these days what have they what have they been up to those so little jumping men that used to fill us with delight it's the first thing I looked for when Watford scored not, not, not sort of I didn't take into account the impact on the game I was just desperate to see those little dancing men jumping up and down the victory if, if no one ever saw it Jason because of uh, younger years you know what, 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 what were they what did they do well, I think you might describe it very well. They were little men, three little men that jumped up and down. They had some sort of rhythm to them, didn't they? They, they, were, they were definitely good movers. Didn't dance like your dad at a wedding, let's put it that way. <laughs> they were sort of like Pac-Man's 
football supporting uncle, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. Batman uncle, didn't have arms, but these guys did. Uncle's, didn't they? uncle's a bit harsh, I, I think. A, a trendy younger brother, I would have oh, said. Yeah, that's fair enough. The well, way they moved. Well, they, they left the Vic in 1993 when the Vicarage Road stand was completed and the school board was taken down. And after talking to Lionel last month, I wondered where, where have those guys gone? So I got onto John Marks, the Watford commentator from BBC Three Counties. And he's, yeah, he's front of all knowledge and a man who knows the man who know what's going on. And he's done a, a short report for us about what the three school board men have been up to since they left Vicarage Road. The three scoreboard men came to Watford in 1978 when the electronic scoreboard was constructed. Elton John had first spotted them performing on the Strip in Las Vegas back in 1976 and brought the three brothers over to make goal celebrations at Vicarage Road unique. Together they saw some of the club's greatest moments but parted company in 1993 when the scoreboard was taken down and the current Vicarage Road stand built. Since then, each has led a very different life to the other. Here are their stories, from left to right. After life in that scoreboard, I wasn't going to sit around. I spent 25 years jumping around, and I was really, really good at jumping. So I took up a career in fitness. I get a real buzz taking classes and seeing people get into shape. Unfortunately, I'm limited with the type of classes I can take. I'm not good at Pilates or spin classes, but I've developed my own exercise. It's called the Star Jumper Size. I'm looking at taking it nationwide, and I'm going to be on the next year of the Dragon's Den to get some investment, so uh, wish me luck. So life is good for the one on the left, the story of the one in the middle is not as positive. I'm not going to lie, I fell quite dramatically after 93 and suffered with deep depression. Being in the middle of the three of us, I got more attention than the other two. We were like Bross, you know. I was Matt Goss, with the other two being the less known, Luke and Craig. Yeah, we looked exactly the same, but I had a bit more star, a bit more panache, a bit more class. I do a lot of work around Christmas. I did a good few years on Oxford Street Lights, but I got caught up in a lot of bad things. I drank a lot, mainly battery acid, but I also started hanging around with the wrong crowd. I had a very turbulent on-off relationship with a slutty neon light who had been part of the old Paradise Lost nightclub sign. You might have read about it in the papers. These days, I have a simple life. I work nights at McDonald's lighting the giant M on St Albans Road. It's not how I hope my life will pan out, but it does for me. Tough times for the one in the middle, but it was a much happier ending for the one on the right. We got paid very well by Elton and Jack Petchy. I heard one rumour that we were more money than Wilf Rostron. Not being a big party animal, I had quite a nice nest egg when we left in 1993. I invested heavily in hyper-coloured t-shirts technology and it paid off very well. I now live on the coast in deepest Cornwall with my wife who is a former Miss Pac-Man. We try and live a green lifestyle and we live off the earth resources around us. We grow our own food, wind, hydroelectric and a bit of solar in the summer months. The three former scoreboard men don't see each other much these days, but a few times a year they meet up in a Watford park to watch a Sunday league game, just waiting for a goal that they can celebrate like the good old days. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. <laughs> so here we are. We're, we're still watching the Watford Reading game. Watford still on the attack. Still two. Massey down the left, going across. Out to number eleven. Don't Not sure that is. Strike. Ooh, oh, keeper got down to it. Great save. Off a corner. But yeah, you know, these lads are. Some of these lads are going to be the future of the Watford team. And the number of fantastic players that we've had come through our team over the years and done well for us and gone on to other great things has been quite it's quite a proud thing and you wrote a, a blog about it and a, a program article about it didn't you Mike a while ago yeah I did I, th I think it's really important that we recognise what we're doing at this football club and I'm proud of uh, I'm proud of what we're achieving so so last uh, the, at the Forest home game we went around the rookery end and we had a chat to some of the, the Watford fans about who their all time favourite homegrown player is this is what they had to say. Nigel Callaghan, pace down the wing and crossing the ball. Yeah, always sticking it on Blissett's head. We actually young, done well for the well in the club and then beyond. But I think Paul Robinson, yeah. But what he is, what he gives. Because yeah. mine would have to be Luther Blissett, the Watford man through and through. It's Donny Barnes, but I'm not quite sure you can call him homegrown, actually. Because no, no. he, he came here as a youngster, so I suppose we did develop him. Yeah, yeah I'll stick to John Barnes. Tommy Smith. David James. You only can say he went on to be an England goalkeeper as well. I wouldn't say David James is my favourite player though. <laughs> yeah, it'll be Kenny Jackie, I suppose, and yeah. Nigel Gibbs, definitely. Stayed here for a long time and Stuart Scully 
He was quite brave, I think, you know, he got knocked down, but he got straight back up and all this also. Probably do I do that? Probably because, probably because you think, I think I could do that. <laughs> I'd go for Marvin Sordell's doing well at the moment. Yeah. Or maybe, um, I think Lee Hodgson's got a bright future at the club. I would definitely say Nigel Callaghan. Thought he was a really great kicker of a football. He was very accurate, crosser of the ball. He always looked quite lazy, but I, yeah, I just thought he was really good. I'll go with Richard, Nigel Callaghan, yeah. He was a good sportsman, actually. Good all-round sportsman. Good basketball player, good high jumper, but he crossed the ball beautifully. Stuart Scullion. I uh, wasn't expecting that one. Jason, you're old. You know who he is? I, I, I do. <laughs> Thanks for that introduction, John. <laughs> I, uh, I do know the name, and I'm sure if I spoke to older people, they would be able to regale me with stories of the great Stuart Scullion. But I sent Jason the challenge to come up with his all-time starting 11 Watford homegrown players. So, Jason, if you'd like to take us through your homegrown players. I have, yes. I have my uh, homework here. Well, he's, <laughs> he's got your podcast doesn't do this justice. Uh, from, from back to front. <laughs> from back to front. Line up 442. So, I've picked players that I have seen play and that are okay. homegrown. So, since okay. 1940s? So since <laughs> 90, 1980, my okay. first, my first uh, game. So, goalie, David James. I think uh, mm, yep. you, so people mentioned that in the, uh, in the Vox Pops. Um, was an FA Youth Cup winner with us in 1989. Yeah, remember that. Uh, backs are Nigel Gibbs and Paul Robinson. Oh, Robbo. Robbo, I love Robbo. <laughs> Fond memories. In, I love Robbo in the way that you love Eustace today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Centre backs, we have uh, Robert Page and Steve Terry. Oh, the, man the headband with the headband. Has he got the headband in the picture? He has oh, got he the headband in the, the picture. picture. And, and yeah, and he's got he scored quite a few goals for him. He's got 20 goals. Really? He, really? he played fewer he's games for the How club. How many headers? How many? Uh, <laughs> probably. probably 21. <laughs> how many were attributed to Steve and how many were attributed to his little headband? Uh, yeah, he played fewer games than the rest of that back four but scored more goals than any of them. That's quite interesting. Okay. Uh, on the flanks, oh. we have uh, Mr Callahan, and we have Ashley Young. So, uh, so one right from the start of my supporting career and one oh, very recent, recent addition. Um, they I didn't realise bookend and your Watford supporting career. They, 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 they do bookends. <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's good. Um, who's, in the, who's in the middle? And uh, we've got a, an eighties an uh, and a bit yeah, an eighties central midfield partnership. We've got Kenny Jacket and Gary Porter oh, in centre mid. I say eighties, but I think Gary Porter the. the his greatest moment was that hat trick against Bolton, the comeback. Oh, it the was comeback yeah. game. Was three 0 down. Yeah. Kenny Jacket was my brother's favourite player. And uh, we, we, we had the, the pleasure of meeting him when we were very young. And Andy, Andy was a bit starstruck. Andy's my brother. Yeah. And uh, so we met Kenny and uh, I asked him something about, about playing for Watford. Andy just looked at him starry-eyed and said, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> talking talking to Kenny, Kenny Jacket and brothers. Kenny's brother was actually um, at Luton Youth. Can you believe that? Uh, can you believe that his dad played for Watford? It's sort of like so. Uh, so the balance is, is it's almost in like the right Luke, Luke, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, isn't it? It's is. no yeah. dark side, one on the good side. <laughs> well, it's, it's fantastic. Two very long-serving uh, players there Absolutely. that we, we've got in there, and actually, it's quite nice that a few of those that you've got in the team were, were here for a good few years. Yes. And uh, who you got up front? The another one, in? another one who was here for a very long time and kept coming back. Luther and back, Blissett and back. I could regale with lots of stats on uh, on Luther, but I found something out I didn't realise the other day is that his middle name is Lloyd. Is that <laughs> really? It's, it's spelled differently to the way our current Lloyd spells it. It's spelled L-O-I-D-E by presuming that it's pronounced Lloyd. I mean, the, the good thing about that is that Callahan's crosses will easily meet Luther's well, well, heads because yeah. they're, they're, they're used to that. They know what they're doing. They, they did it plenty of times. And who, and final we, man at the front, who have you got? We've got Tommy Smith getting on those knockdowns. Um, obviously, someone still playing today. Yep. Um, so and another QPR. one. I'd certainly give you up, but another one who came back. Yeah, that's true. Sure. That's so true. Both are so our comeback strikers. They often. So, they often. Well, I tell you what, Callahan came back, didn't he as well? Callahan came back as well. Yep. Jace, run through that team from. Uh... So from uh, from front to back again, we have got David James in goal. Oi. Full backs are Gibbs and Robinson. Oi. Page and Terry. back. Right wing, we have Nigel Callahan. Left Oi. wing, Ashley Young. Oi. Kenny Jacket and Gary Porter centre midfield, Oi. and the deadly strike duo of Luther Blissett and Tommy Smith. That is team. my home ground eleven. Keep up with the podcast blog on fromtherookeryend.com. We're still here at the uh, under-18s game at the training ground on Saturday morning. Uh, lots of guys here we're seeing have come through the Harefield Academy and are starting to, to make their way through to the first team. And one of them is Adam Thompson, uh, and he's with us now. Adam, you're, you're not playing today. Now, why is that? 
Uh, I'm suspended. <laughs> was, it for, was it for hard hard tackle and being committed? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what it. Too much desire. What are they teaching you at this academy? <laughs> so you ca- you came to the academy the. the sh- are there, you're one of the first people to go, go there. What, what was the experience like in terms of that football school balance? Yeah, well, we, we was like the first year there, so we didn't know what to expect. But uh, it started off quite hard, um, like getting used to it, because um, we didn't fit in straight away. Uh, some of the, the people from Harefield were sort of quite, um, I don't know how to describe it, they wasn't happy with us being there, really. Okay. So, um, but like, you know, after a few months, um, we sort of mixed in, you know, they got used to it. So um, it, was, uh, it ended up all right. And um, then we just get down with the education of football, really. Cause, and, um, yes, it was really good, actually, really beneficial. Because that was the, the two years when I saw, because I went in year 10, two years when I saw me kick on in terms of football. Um, so, yeah, really good. And I come out of good GCSE grade as well, so excellent. Good, yeah. Um, so, much, what, how, did work, how, did it, how did your school day work? Did you, did you train in the morning? or? Yeah, we did, uh, we did a couple of lessons, then training in the morning. And then we did a couple of lessons and then train at the end of the day and then went home. So it's quite a long day, yeah. but um, it's good. And so when you were, when you were at the school slash academy, so you mentioned the other kids there. Are they, so there's other non-footballers there. Yeah. So, you're, so we just went integrate. into a normal school. So um, that's probably as why it was hard. If it had been started up a new school, it probably would have been easier because we just went into a new school and I was like, oh, so a group of footballers, like they sort of thought we was like trying to run the school. You know, like, and were you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not at all, no. And presumably you were banned from half, from uh, playtime football. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe it's called it playtime. <laughs> Break time, whatever. Yeah. And you've um, you've signed your professional contract this week. Yeah. So yeah, many congratulations on that. You. That's uh, fantastic news. And how did that feel? And how were you how were you told about that? Phone call or did you did you know it was coming? Did you know that a decision was no, coming? No, no, no. I didn't know it was coming. They just called me and said, you know, we'd like to offer you a contract. So I, was, I wasn't expecting it, but I knew I was doing well, but I, I wasn't expecting it. So. Oh, yeah, I was really happy with it. And, and who was it that, that does, does that meeting with you? Is it Malky or is it uh, a team from the academy? John Stevenson, academy director. So, yeah. so what did he say? Because you said, uh, right, I'm going to have to think about that for a bit, John. I just need to, uh, <laughs> was it a pretty easy decision to uh, make? A pretty easy decision to make, yeah. So. I'm really happy here. So. so in terms of your, your time, you, know, when you, you finished at school and you, you came to be like a full-time scholar. Yeah. How, how, how's that different from being there and, and what's, what's that life as a um, scholar like? It definitely made it easier going to the school because there's more training there. Um, so getting used to like every day here, it was definitely easier coming from that environment because we're, we're playing every every day there anyway. But um, here, just being sort of around the first team is probably the best bit about it. Like um, sort of just the first team players saying hi to them and stuff, just like it's to know normal. So yeah, and, and getting involved with first team training and stuff, um, that's probably the best bit about it. So, yeah. Did yeah. that make it easier when you because you played in the cup game, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make it easier sort of then? Being yeah. in the changing with the guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If I didn't know him at all, then it would just be a bit awkward. But sort of chatting to him before the game, Mariapa and Doyle was really helpful before the game, saying like about their debuts when they were 17 and stuff. So it was really helpful. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. And is, is there a particular first team that you look up to? Or? Um, probably Mariapa, just because he's come through like the youth ranks and he's just desiring training and just in matches. Yeah, I look up to him probably. So he's Mariapa, he's not Mr. Mariapa to you. <laughs> <laughs> That, that first uh, that first time you had uh, you know you were going to be in that first team. How how long before the game did you know you were going to you could possibly um, you started didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Started. It was the day before, and we was doing uh, shape, and uh, he sort of said, just read out a team. So he read out a team, and I thought uh, he read out two teams to play against each other to do shape, and I thought oh, okay that must be a week side then sort of a week aside for the cup. I thought I, I didn't think it was my team, and he said right this was the team that we'll be starting, and I was in it. I, <laughs> <laughs> how, how much sleep did you get there that night? Nah, not a lot at all. But um, I was buzzing the next day, and I, it turned from nerves into excitement. Probably about well, as I walked out into the pitch, really, just seeing the crowd and stuff. It's the best thing ever. Loved it. Any, anything? Do you remember any of it, or is um, it all just a bit of a intense blur? A match? No, not much in a match. But I remember beforehand just chatting with the lads and them just saying, you know, relax, just do what you do in training and stuff. And, but the match was a bit of a blur, really. And then mm. after, signing autographs and stuff like that, it, yeah, it was really good. Can you remember your first your first tackle or your first touch of the ball? Um, yeah, first touch of the ball was about 10 minutes in, I think. I just sort of tried to stay back a bit. Just, yeah, Don carried down the line and he crossed it. So I was safe. Anything else you want to talk Is there any, away from Watford, are there any who you're sort of footballing idols? and? Um, 
Well, I'm a Spurs supporter, so I like Michael Dawson for Spurs. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, you have a better injury record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, he's probably just because his desire and um, technique and stuff. Yeah, and I'm a Spurs supporter. So. And out of your colleagues, we're, we're still here watching your, your, your cohorts playing in the under 18s. Are there yeah. any that you're particularly close to, or any that you think are um, uh, worth watching out for for Watford fans? Gavin Massey is the one to watch out for. I think. Sean Murray in midfield. Um, I'm close with uh, Oli Archer, left back, and Chez Isaac midfield, yeah. and Jonathan Bond, the keeper as well. I'm very close with him. He's definitely um, come on loads in the last two years. And I he's think he's definitely one to watch for. He doesn't give it a big one after being uh, having his international call up. Sort of thing. Yeah, like he is that. a bit big time actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still get along with him. From the rookery end, the final whistle has gone. We've seen a win. We've, We've seen, seen a win. win. Yeah. 3-1 to the Golden Boys. Uh, we, are, we are recording this at the end, at all times, at midday on the, on the Saturday. That's the first Watford-Reading game. I've got to tell you seen. as well, it's freezing, the things we do for you. <laughs> mm, it's cold. But it was a fantastic a fantastic game, 3-1 in the end. Some very well-taking Watford goals. And uh, how are you feeling about the next few seasons, the Watford fan, Jason? They're I, the boys. I, it looks good. There was some yeah, good stuff going on there. We were near the boys playing down the right-hand side in the second half there. And we sort of quite close to Sean Murray uh, and the guy right back I, I didn't catch his name but they they playing well together both look like good players we looked strong in midfield it was, it was yeah lots but of promise there I think for me yeah, the goalie uh, Bond yes Jonathan Bond looked mm. really good well, we know he's we know he's had a call up for the for the Welsh yeah. Welsh squad and you know seeing him play a game here seeing him you know that, that's all good stuff so there's, there's a lot of a lot a lot of promise thanks to Adam Thompson who's uh we signed his pro contra- contract this week, and also to, to Nick Cox, who uh, assistant director of the academy, for telling us all about what goes on there. We need Hope to, you enjoyed it. Yeah, sorry, before we before we do wrap up, we do need to draw attention to the fact that Adam and his commitment to the cause. He was sent off last week, so he was suspended for today's game. Mm. It's about minus ten, and Adam's here in his shorts, full yeah. kit. So despite he knew, I personally think he forgot he wasn't able to play and turned up in this kit. <laughs> but that is commitment to the cause. So I was, I was impressed to see that. So that's it for this month. Next month will be the Christmas special. Bring it on. Jingle Bells presents and a special which will be out on Christmas Day for you to download with our special interview with Father Christmas himself, Malky McCullough. Keep reading the blog on uh, www.fromtherookeryend.com. Also, if you're going to games, keep your eyes peeled in the Match Day programme. We have a page in there, generally in the 60s. Keep mm-hmm. your eyes, uh, not the year, not the decade, the page. <laughs> so keep your eyes peeled for those. And you can email us. at podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. Jason, what's that email again? It's podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. And don't forget Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash rookeryend. It's uh, thank you, Mike, and uh, thank you, Jason, and thank, thank you, you for, for listening. We're back. Remember that Christmas Day special with Mr. Malky Mackay. Come on, you horns. Come on, Watford. You sounded a lot more come on-y there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was up to that. Come on, you horns.